guys, welcome to the Rosin Bag Report. This is a new podcast that me and my friend uh, James are starting on. We're just going to be going over, it's basically just going to be an MLB podcast. We're going to be going over all the goings-ons in, in MLB, uh, all the latest news. Uh, right now we're obviously about, if all things go to plan, which it looks like they're going to, uh, we're about two months from the start of the season, so it's pretty exciting. We decided we wanted to get started, so I'll let James introduce himself. How's it going, guys? Uh, I'm James. I'm really excited to start this with Joey. Been wanting to do this for a long time and excited to get my thoughts out there on baseball with a good friend. So let's get this going. All right. So I guess we may as well start by telling everyone. So my favorite team, just so you guys know, so it's on the record, is the San Diego Padres. I was born and raised in San Diego. Uh, I have been going to games my whole life. So Obviously a very exciting uh, 2020 season for us, a very exciting offseason, probably more exciting than the actual season, honestly. Um, so I'm just looking forward to nerding out on, on you know, a ton of Padres content this, this year. So, yeah. Uh, and as far as I go, as you can see from my hat and the flag in the background, I'm an Angels fan. It's been unfortunate lately, but it's cool to watch the best player in baseball. 20 minutes from home so um yeah looking forward to better days i think they're coming but i hope they come sooner rather than later uh and then as a second team because i like i like an al and an nl team i have the uh braves as my nl team and they're looking nice right now so that's a good thing to watch when the angels aren't playing so looking forward to watching yeah so that that's why you were defending acuna in the poll then because we, <laughs> we ran it we ran like a small poll about which outfielder you prefer on your team, Soto or Acuna? I went with Soto. Uh, the majority of our voters went with Soto, and then James was was out there I'm sticking the up for yeah. James was sticking up for Acuna, so I respect it. Uh, okay, so I guess we'll just start by uh, going over uh, some of the stuff that's been going on in the off season as far as rule changes and stuff. Uh, we wanted to talk about like what we've enjoyed about the rule changes that came about in 2020, like kind of what we'd like to see come back and what we maybe don't want to see come back. So I'll start with you, James. Give me one big thing, like big change from the 2020 season that you would like to see back in the 2021 season. I mean, I think it's, uh, I speak for the majority of MLB fans when I say that we all want the universal DH. Um, of the rules that got changed, I think that's the only one people want. Nobody wants to see pitchers strike out twice a game and then have a pinch hitter one at bat a game. Like, just put a DH in there, let someone hit some dingers. Um, that's my favorite rule. Uh, I'll move on to the next one extra innings. Extra innings, second base rule. I hate it so much. Me too. Like, you can get an RB, you, a team can score a run without even getting a hit. And, like, they can just sack bunt, sack fly run like that bothers me to, so much. to be honest that was one of the things that was interesting though right like seeing different teams approach it i feel like a lot of like a lot of the bad teams would just try to sacrifice squeeze the guy over to home somehow right um yeah, like in the angels case like one time we i think otani was on second and like ground ball to second and he doesn't go immediately and then Olsen <laughs> catches it and makes an amazing play with Chapman at third and it's like of course oh yeah I actually I actually remember that play dude that was I mean those are the two two of the best like corner defenders in the game too so True. but of course they're in our division, in my division. yeah 
Well, I, it's okay because it looks like the AL the AL West is getting a little bit softer. It looks like honestly, um, but we'll get to that later. So yeah, yeah compared compared to the NL West, two behemoths. But yeah, we'll get there later. Yeah. Uh, so I agree with you. Obviously, DH uh, Universal DH would have been awesome. I, as a Pottery fan, you know, um, I really wanted Nelson Cruz because we were kind of being talked about with him, and I just think that's. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he would be absolutely amazing to have in the middle of our order, um, and I think a lot of NL teams, you know, like guys like Marcel Azuna, it's going to be kind of hard for guys like that to find a role in a National League team because you saw how much Azuna helped the Braves last year, being in the middle of the order as a DH. But I mean, how many times have we seen? And I feel like this is kind of unique to him. He does this thing where he'll like hang on the left field wall. And the ball will drop like ten feet in front of the wall. He's done that like three times. So mm-hmm. he's like, "I'm gonna rob it." And like right in front of you. Dude, honestly, those are some of the funniest bloopers I've ever seen. And he like, so yeah, he's obviously not the best left fielder. Obviously, left field is a position where you try and throw your best hitter and just hope that the ball doesn't come to him. And uh, I don't know, man, because it those are guys you want to see in the National League. Like you want to see those guys hitting in your lineup. So. I think the universal DH, man, they're going to be doing a, a huge disservice if they get rid of it. Um, that leaves basically just uh, the three batter minimum and the expanded playoffs rule. Well, the three batter minimum was going to stay anyway. Uh, that's not really changing. Uh, and I'll, I want to get your thoughts on this in a second. But for me, I think the three batter rule, it kind of puts some relievers kind of in a box because... Like, one example that's, like, really obvious to me is, like, Tim Hill on the Padres, like, lefty sidearm pitcher. Um, he was a guy you usually put in to go face the team's best left-hander, strike him out, get him out, and then take him out of the game and go back to your regular bullpen uh, rotation. And so if you're a guy like that now, you got to learn how to throw to right-handed pitchers. you got to learn – or right-handed hitters – um, otherwise you're not going to have a career in the league anymore because you can't just do like, you can't just be the guy who can only get out lefties, uh, or, or vice versa. So yeah, there's no more, uh, there's no more like lefty specialist. Exactly. Anymore. Like you have to be good. You just have to be a good pitcher. Um, I think it was, I, at the beginning, I didn't like it because I didn't like that managers were being told how to manage their games. Basically mm-hmm. that was like my take on it. But as it continued, like, you know, you can bring a guy in for on, with one out and then he only has to get two outs and then you're out of the inning. So, like, I think that MLB owners kind of still found, like, or MLB uh, managers still found, like, loopholes to get around it. But, like, you know, there's always those moments in a game, like, a uh, reliever, like, doesn't get the three guys out mm. or doesn't get the first guy out. And then it's like, oh, crap, now he has to pitch for two more guys. And then he gives up a bunch of runs. Yeah, so I think it adds a bunch of strategy, but I also don't really like that. Like, it forces the game to be played. I think the biggest problem is is that the strategy really favors the the hitting team because you can pretty you can pretty much like you can make substitutions just according to who you're getting right, and you don't have to worry about okay, if I substitute this hitter, they can just go to the pen and get a specialist. You know? Um, yeah, it's like he's stuck here to face this bad matchup. Yeah, and then you just start throwing your platoon of right-handed batters at whatever position against the lefty, and like you know. Um, but honestly, all in all, I think uh, like was this one of the rules they implemented to try and increase like uh, scoring, or was it for pace of play? Like, I, what was their goal yeah, with this rule? Uh, 
pace of play, they want less mound visits and things going faster. Like, don't they have this? Don't they still have the limit, like six mound visits? Yeah, visits? they do have the mound visit limit. And I guess, honestly, I think pace of play has been doing a lot better in the MLB. I think they're a little bit too locked in on that issue, honestly. I think they're starting to kind of go a little overboard with it with some of the rules, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't know, like, do I really want to see a pitch clock? Like, do I want to see Jacob DeGrom pitching and, like, him have to hurry up because there's a pitch clock? Yeah. Like, not really. I kind of just want to watch Jacob DeGrom be Jacob DeGrom. Well, the good thing is there aren't – we're kind of past the days of, like, the pitchers who take, like, two minutes between every pitch. There's still, like, Pedro Baez, which I don't know if you've seen Pedro Baez before. Dude, that guy takes absolutely forever between every single pitch. It's hilarious. Um but yeah, man, I think overall the three batter minimum is fine. I was really, I think a lot of people hate it when it first came out. I think in practice, it wasn't as bad as a lot of people thought. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about uh, regards to like the rule changes is the seven inning double headers. I think the seven inning double headers are excellent. I think they're a great idea. Um, some people will argue, and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Some people will argue that like, that, that kind of worked to like the Marlins advantage, for example. They played like what half their schedule in seven inning games. Uh, so definitely takes a bit of a load. Like you would think that it takes a load off your bullpen because you're pitching less innings, but you're pitching 14 innings a day. So does it really? Yeah. And then you still have to go play tomorrow. Yeah. So I think, I think people trying to delegitimize a, a seven inning double header victory. I really don't think that it's very illegitimate because you're under strain, the strain of playing 14 innings, like in a day, like every, both teams have to deal with that strain. I think it's still, a level playing field, and I think it's it's better than playing two nine-inning games, which is just it seems like way too much. I don't know what you think about that. Oh, yeah, honestly, like, at the beginning, I was like, oh, this isn't baseball, like, they're not playing nine innings, but, like, I was thinking about it, and like, oh, what if there's, like, a Sunday, and, like, they play two games, and then they have Monday off, like, mm -hmm. well, that'd be awesome, like, what if I go to the game in the morning, and then I go to the game at night, and they're only seven innings, so it's not as long, like, even as a fan, but then for players, too, like, the grind is still there because you're playing 14 innings, but 14 is a lot better than 18. Or yeah. like 14 innings on your bullpen is a lot, obviously a lot better than 18 innings. So I think it was, I think it was perfect for the 2020 season. Definitely. Um, and I could see it maybe on weekends going forward, but other than that, I think like it was it should stay in 20 I think I think the good thing too is the good thing too is you're obviously not expecting to have as many double headers this season as you did last season just because of how, how out of whack things were and I mean who knows like it's it's absolutely within the realm of possibility that there are outbreaks but I feel like by April man I really do feel like the vaccine's going to be spread out pretty wide uh and I mean hopefully man like obviously the number one goal is getting people in the ballparks uh if it's possible um but I mean, if we can avoid like all the random, like in the middle of the season, you, you miss 20 games because one guy broke, broke out in your clubhouse. Uh, that would be great if we could move past that. In your hotel, in the bed. Yeah. You see that of Jack Flaherty, like warming up in the hotel. Yep. Keeping his arm warm. Yeah. It's funny too. Like, like even, even outside of baseball, like right now in football with the Super Bowl, they were told like a couple days ago that if anybody gets coronavirus, they're out for the Super Bowl, right? So you can imagine them like locking Patrick Mahomes up in a box basically for a week before. <laughs> you like stay in your room. Yeah, you're not allowed to get to. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, now, if you want to segue us into our next topic, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, so um, we wanted to talk about how MLB and MLB EA are handling the rules from 2020. So how they're going into 2021. Um, right now, as, as we're speaking, um, I think everything is going to be gone except for the three batter minimum. Um, that was because of the MLB's proposal for expanded playoffs, universal DH, and 154 game season. Uh, but the union denied that because it would bring down play for or bring down pay for pretty much everyone across the board. Mm -hmm. And the CBA is up next year. Um, so if you can tell, I'm not really a fan of this. <laughs> I don't anyways. think anybody is. <laughs> um, so basically, like. What do you think? Like owners are. Like, so what's your take? On yeah, that? well, obviously, obviously the owners are doing the thing again, like they did last season, where they're just trying to squeeze as much money out of it as they can. The thing that I have the biggest issue with uh, is how they're leveraging like these rule changes as like a bargaining chip. That just seems to be really weird to me. Like, oh, you guys don't want to like play by our rules? Then okay, no universal DH. Okay, so like a guy like Nelson Cruz now, you only have 16 suitors basically or in the league, right? Or 15 suitors yeah. in the league. Um, so I, I just don't understand why those two things can't be like mutually exclusive, you know? It's negotiate on the, the rule changes and negotiate on the salaries, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's the usual, like, they're just trying to trying to squeeze as much money as they can. And I, I, I'm just glad that things aren't as a, a aren't at as much of a standstill as they were last year, where last year it took us months to start the season. At least now it looks like they're pretty much going to start on April 1st. And to me, man, like, I'm not a big financials guy. I like to watch people play baseball. I like to watch my team play baseball. If they come out on April 1st, and everybody's playing baseball, it makes no difference to me, honestly. I have to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the owners just, like, take the fans completely out of the equation, and it's all about the money, and it's like, come on, the players want to start on April 1st, the fans want to start on April 1st, the staff wants to start on April 1st. It's like, and especially after last season, you know, even it's a 60-game season, but you got it done. Mm -hmm. Like, you can handle it again. You know what you're up like you're up against. You, we can do Dude, it. Dude, and it's it's so hilarious too because like the MLB always talks about expanding the audience and like you know making the game for everybody, and they treat their fans worse than literally every single professional sports league. There's no way any other professional sports league would have let this thing drag on till July like it did last year. There's absolutely no way. Um, and. And dude, nobody, if you're a casual fan and you're looking and you're seeing all that stuff that's going on, that's really off-putting. Like, in my opinion, right? Especially when, when games are getting delayed. For sure, like baseball can't handle their stuff. Like, I'm not going to, like, what the hell is going on with baseball? I'm not and, gonna and they're not, they don't, they're showing that they basically, like, don't give a crap about the fans. Like, they, they really don't. They, like you said, I think it's really well said. They don't factor the fans into the equation. It's just the MLBPA and the MLB Owners Association butting heads and then like our interests the people who generate all the revenue are kind of not even considered at all which is hilarious it's billionaires versus billionaires yeah. everyone else is forgotten and then the rest of us are just like you know working regular ass jobs like hey can we just get some baseball yeah. man like yeah. yeah like i just want to go get some tickets bro 
Yeah, on. yeah, and so I guess this is the reason why they want to do the expanded playoffs, right? Because technically that's a way to generate some more revenue. And dude, like I think we should talk about this because we didn't really like spend a lot of time on it with the new rules. But like obviously everyone, everyone I've talked to hates the expanded playoffs, and I think it's because like with all due respect, man, nobody wants to see like. Like, the Blue Jays, okay, they were exciting, but they were not a playoff team last year. Let's be honest. They were not a playoff team, right? No, they were – like, in a regular year, they're on the cusp, but in a 2020 year where there's 16 teams, more than half the league getting in, like, the Blue Jays make it. And then what happens? And, they get swept. And the, the, second, the second place in the division role was also really bad because there are some divisions that are just so top-heavy, and second place is just, like, a laughing stock. I think it was hilarious how – look, I, I don't want to, like, you know, I'm not roasting any fans here. But the NL Central should not have sent three teams to the playoffs. I'm sorry. We did not need three NL Central teams. <laughs> Wasn't there seven in total? There might have been there might have been four. I don't remember. In the NL, who was it? It was the Cardinals, it was the Cubs, it was the Brewers, and it was the Reds. There were four. There were four. And then in the in the AL it was the Sox, Twins, Twins and, the Indians. Sox and Indians. And they all lost. They all games. lost They're all seven of them. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> that's so bad so yeah no disrespect to any of the nl central people especially to the cardinals fans you guys got a lot better um, but dude and, and you know what the reds were one of my sleeper teams too man i was so i was so pumped for the reds in the in the expanded playoff format but man dude going in to the season i was like i want to see a reds versus dodgers like world series i i just thought dude i just had a feeling i just thought that the reds were like matched up pretty well with the braves but like yeah anyway you get my point honestly the cardinals i know they took us to three games they kind of gave us a scare in game two as well but like come on nobody wanted to watch the cardinals in the playoffs i mean i think i think i didn't at least yeah (laughs) no i mean like and especially when like you know they were kind of in the same situation as the marlins yep it's like you know 30 games in 27 days or something it's like okay, i think like they actually they games. actually played the majority of their games as double headers yeah them and the marlins that's yeah that's insane, insane. Yeah, they, both of those teams made it though so but the marlins again the marlins again were they were not a playoff team like realistically um, yeah they squeaked in and the cubs and dude like nine. huge huge respect to the marlins i mean dude what they did under their circumstances was incredible and to win a playoff series dude take nothing away from them but the marlins that like they're they're one of many teams that like we're not really playoff teams, you know. Uh, and I think, I think that that system, man, it's also really unfortunate for like the top seeds. Like if you're a Dodgers fan or you're uh, who was it in the AL? Um, I'm blanking on it. It was the the Rays, right? Uh, Rays. Yeah. Rays. So if you're a Dodgers fan or a Rays fan, for finishing first, you basically got no reward. You still have to play a wild card series. And it's a best of three. You have two bad nights. Your pitcher, like, you know, shits the bed on night one. That's it. Season over. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like, can you can you imagine if the Brewers just, like, started raking game one against the Dodgers and all of a sudden they're up 1-0 against a team that this Dodgers team, this is coming from a Padre fan. You can ask me how much I hate the Dodgers. They're like, I hate them. Yeah, they, fan, like, I agree. They're one of the best baseball – that was one of the best baseball teams in – uh, that I've seen in a really long time. It might be the best baseball team that I've seen in my lifetime. In my lifetime. I agree. Um, and if they had gone out in three games against the Brewers, I mean, it would the whole system would have been a complete joke, in my opinion. Um, I would have laughed, and I would have had such a great time with that, but it would have sucked for them. 
Um, but yeah. yeah. I mean, for the sport, like, for the sport, that's just horrible. You can't have your division winners going to a three-game series and losing to a per, to a team that barely got over 300. And to be honest, you, the 16 it, team yeah, like, NBA is one of the leagues that does that. I don't like the NBA's playoff system either because you end up with a ton of teams that are below 500 in the playoffs, and it's just like... You you don't you don't need those teams in the playoffs, man. It, it's it's a waste of time, in my opinion. Exactly. And then why is that series like basketball is a little different in baseball, but like mm. an eight seed in basketball, like they're gonna lose. But ba- but baseball completely different. Yeah, like, c- absolutely. Random, like you have no idea. Good day, bad day. Like exactly. Home and you're the best team in baseball. One hundred percent. So yeah, I think and the expanded playoff, of course, goes hand in hand with the. Uh, with the uh, talks between the MLBPA and the owners association. Um, so I just think this whole thing has to stop, man. Like this is ridiculous. Like you don't need to be putting game changing rules on the line for like the contract negotiations and like the financial negotiations. Give us the best product that you can agree on those terms and then start going on about whatever uh, financial things need to be talked about. So yeah, as you guys can see, I'm totally very specific and very well read on all the financials. <laughs> Personally, though, like, it's just as as a sports franchise, in my opinion, at least, you mm-hmm. have like a duty to your community to put a product on the field. Yeah. Especially for a lot of these places, like you're you get subsidies from the city government on building your brand new stadium, mm-hmm. like you have a responsibility to spend money and to put a good franchise on this field. Yeah. Because all of these are worth, all these baseball teams, you know, the Marlins sucked, and in 2016, I think 2017, they were sold for $1.2 billion. Yep. So, like, you're not losing money if you're buying a baseball team. Valuations go up every year. Oh, no and way. Sports teams are one of the best investments. Ask any, like, billionaire. They will tell you. Sports teams are an unbelievably good investment. Exactly. And then when a payroll is maxed at 210 million dollars so the smallest franchise could spend like a fifth of their worth and still like they'd be fine they'd have mm-hmm. 800 mil to work with like i don't get it like what are you pen- what are you petty pitching for why is the <laughs> why is the indian payroll 40 million dollars oh dude the indians are so hilarious we'll talk about that later when we talk about free agency well we're actually we're, we might as well start talking about it now because this this is the fun stuff right this is the stuff that i actually want to talk about uh obviously as a pottery fan free agency has been a blast i've been really enjoying it uh i just want to ask you real quick not to put you on the spot here or anything but like what are some of the free agent moves some of them are obviously like pretty obvious but what are some of the free agent moves that you're most excited uh to see in the actual season i mean like number one i'll just go with that padres rotation oh yeah oh my Mm -hmm. oh my goodness um like just the the what AJ Preller got or like what two pitchers he got and what he gave up like it's just in my it boggles my mind every day. Mm. But I think since Arenado's more recent, like yeah. I'm just so excited to see like how the splits even out outside of cores. Yeah. Like because you know that you get benefited at cores, but you also get negatively affected on the road because things are breaking more and balls aren't going as far yeah so like is his road splits are probably going to get better but his homes his home splits are probably going to get worse but i'm like this guy's you know what's interesting perennial mvp candidate Obviously, yeah he's one of the best defenders i've ever seen but is he still going to be perennial mvp candidate out there especially like now he has he has goldschmidt protecting him yeah like 
he did I mean he had story before but like I think Goldschmidt's a little bit more of an RBI kind of guy like three four hitter so so this is just this I, is just, I'm just the, really excited to see it this is the really interesting thing about this year's free agency is like right now more than ever like the stratification between buyers and sellers is they are on two completely different planes I mean yeah. you want to talk about like teams getting fleeced like the Rockies, it seems like they got absolutely fleeced. Of course, they're they're totally salary dumping, and I know that people are, are like appalled by the fifty million dollar like figure, but realistically, they're still dumping a lot of money by including that into the deal and baking that into the deal. Um, and one thing that it looks yeah, like the I Rockies, mean, think, yeah, go ahead. I think like even with that fifty, like yeah. Cardinals are basically getting Nolan Arenado for free, but after that, there's for two years. But after that, they're still gonna have to pay him 150 million dollars for. You know, yeah, but he's he's a player. He's a player that's worth that and probably worth more. I mean, if you renegotiate his contract right now, he'd be probably worth more than 30, 35 million a year. I mean, with some of the money that players are yeah, making so right now. Yeah, but the Cardinals are getting a steal. Like Cardinals got a steal. And I don't think my mind will ever be changed. The, the thing, because the thing that, that really, like, I don't understand is, like, even if you're just dumping and you're completely selling and, like, the team knows you're selling, how do you not get, like, a Dylan Carlson or a Nolan Gorman out of that deal? Like, that has to be a non-sequitur. Like, hey, you have to give us Nolan Gorman or you have to give us Dylan Carlson or no deal. Because you have to get at least one prospect with, like, really good upside. I would have really liked to see Gorman move to the Rockies from their perspective. Um, that would have been cool. Yeah. I mean, Carlson, too. I think that guy's going to be a stud, man. I mean, switch hitting, young player. They put him into the middle of the order. He's like 21 years old. He's already in the middle of their order. He could be a stud. But one thing I wanted Both to talk about. going to be exciting. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about uh, that I think is interesting is I think the Rockies are starting to uh, shift strategy a little bit. I think what they're trying to do now is – a lot of people talk about taking advantage of cores and just like, okay, just hit a ton of home runs at cores, right? But I think the, the thing they're trying to take advantage of is they're trying to get guys who can put wood on the ball and start getting hard contact because cores field, not only is it like a great hitter's park for home runs, that outfield is one of the biggest outfields, it seems like, in all of the major leagues, right? So I really think they're trying to move, like, especially with guys like, think of guys like Blackman, right? I mean, Blackman's a great overall hitter. But you see Blackman is like a big on-base type of guy, right? I think they're trying to move their hitting mentality towards that and take advantage of Coors Field kind of in a, in a different way that maybe hasn't been done in the past. So almost not like swing for the fences, but swing for the, like, the extra base hits. Exactly. So open, they're there for you. Exactly. And the thing is, dude, it's not like they're going to have any shortage of home runs. Like guys like Blackman are still going to hit like a, a good amount of home runs. In that ballpark, yeah, but dude, story. If you're Trevor Story, dude, there's no way you're sitting there thinking, yeah, this seems like a place where I want to be right now. Like, I hope not. I sure hope not for his sake. Well, because here's the interesting thing. I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on this. Uh, story goes on the free agent market next year, so the Rockies have to kind of make part of an amazing. He's a part of an amazing shortstop class. Oh, what I think for shortstop. Guys, I am a Padre fan. I, I am a Tatis fan. But I honestly think right now, if I had to pick a player right now to hit or to play shortstop for me today, I am not even sure that I'd take Tatis over story. I'm honest, like, honestly here. Um, I think he's one of the most underrated players in all of the major leagues, even for the, for the people who rate him highly. 
I don't think people realize just how good he is. Uh, a lot of people don't really realize that. But this is the question I kind of wanted to ask you what your thoughts are. are um, the Rockies seem to have a decision on their hands here. Either sell Story now, but the problem with that is you just told the whole league that you're willing to get your pants pulled down for any trade for a star player. Okay. So your return is already probably lower than it should. No, no GM is going to hand you a top prospect for Trevor Story because the other piece of leverage they have is next year the guy goes into free agency. There's no way he's going to want to play with you. You have no negotiating power with him. At, at least you would assume, right? You wouldn't assume Story's thinking, "Oh hell yeah, I want to resign next year." Okay. Um. So, do you try? Rockies GM is. Sorry. That Rockies GM is so insane, though, that I've heard that uh, I saw, I think, yesterday on Twitter that they're trying to extend Story. And, like, I, I read it immediately, and I was like, please, Story, like, tell me no. you're normal. Don't sign this deal. Like, please don't do it. Like, you will be so much better off just waiting till next year. So, yeah, man, we'll see. I want, what I want to ask you is, is he, are they going to try and ship him now, you think, while he still has a year left? Maybe they can squeeze something out of him? Are they going to wait till the midseason trade deadline where I feel like they're going to be completely screwed if they try to do it? Or are they just going to try and ride free agency? It sounds like you think they're going to try and, and, and roll the dice on free agency, though. I think it's the middle one. I think he might they, he might go at the deadline, but that's like I think this is a very up-in-the-air question because obviously it depends on how they do. Like If they go immediately to the bottom of the division, like, yeah. they'll probably be sellers and like try and get one chip for story as a rental. And maybe that team will try and extend story. I think, um, yeah, I think if you trade Arenado, sorry, if you trade Arenado, you just got to go for the full rebuild, in my opinion. Just load up on a ton of prospects, get some young guys out on the field. Like, do what the Giants are doing, right? The Giants last year, they fielded a ton of, like, players, who, a lot of whom were maybe not 100% major league ready, but they went, they got valuable experience, they got some plate appearances against big league pitching in a really tough uh, Western division. Um, like both the NL and AL West are really tough. So, and, and they they didn't play bad. Most nights they were a tough team to beat. I mean, nobody. I mean, they were on the edge of the playoffs the entire time. They were like right there. The entire yeah, time. they were they were a tough team to beat. In and out. But yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get I don't want to get too off topic here. But I think story is going to be really a big one to follow. Um, for for the next year. I mean, if he moves at the the middle of the deadline in the mid season, that would be insane. Uh, I I love the midseason. I love the midseason deadline just because teams have decided. All right, we suck. Let's just sell our good players, and then other teams are like, "All right, time to load up." It's amazing. Yeah, it's like, all right, so let's evaluate ourselves and yep. like, okay, are we going forward or not? And yeah. then like all teams just go one of the, either ways, and then things just get. Oh man, it was it was so nice being on the right side of that dilemma. Uh, last season as a Padre fan because usually we are the guys just selling all of our players yeah and I guess I'll talk a little bit about it um yeah go ahead yeah, let's talk about well, I mean yeah let's talk about the Padres real quick like Preller pulled off all those deals last year didn't give up anyone of like of note mm -hmm. and then it's two of the maybe top 10 top 15 pitchers in baseball also without giving up anything of note except maybe Luis Patino Patino definitely is going to be a stud but you gotta do what you gotta do but like overall like Snell for 39 million for three years like give me that it's an amazing I'll contract yeah. yeah so Patino is I think that deal was so good for both teams well I mean because it looks bad for the Rays just on the face but dude you have the Rays like pitching development team they're gonna turn Patino into an absolute 
like freak. I'm telling you, he's like, remember this name right now, guys. I'm telling you two, three years from now, he's going to be like a frontline starter. So trust me, the Rays did not get fleeced. And Eric Neander, I mean, we're going to have to wait till he gets one wrong before we start roasting him for these deals. Because every time, every time you look at the Rays and you're like, what the fuck are they doing? They, they end up like those players just end up becoming studs. Uh, even I feel like I was watching John Boy one time, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Everyone, every team should go to the Rays and ask the Rays who they want, and then don't trade those players to anybody. Hold <laughs> on them and develop them, <laughs> like because the Rays know what they're doing. So keep those players." Nah, yeah, I I really respect Neander too. I think he really, like, he's really just like. The thing with Preller, man, is like Preller has the support of Pete Seidler, so he has the support of the ownership. The ownership says, okay, yeah. we need to spend this much money on a player. Fine, do it, as long as he gives us winning product. Neander's not in the same boat, man. He is in an organization where clearly the goal is to win at the cheapest price possible. And, I mean, there's nobody in the league who's doing it better than the Rays are. Absolutely not. The thing is, the Rays are becoming the model, though. Like, you know, you look at the Indians trading away for Francisco Lindor, and then they add Eddie Rosario, free agent, a couple days ago. And it's like, okay, so the Indians are going to try and squeak into the playoffs and then see what happens because it's a crapshoot. And, like, I don't want all of baseball to start playing, like, start handling things like the Rays. Because then... Exactly, yeah. Guys like, you know, Mookie Betts, Arenado, Trout, those guys aren't going to get paid because no one wants to pay for a contract like that when they can just get into the playoffs at 85 wins and then see what happens. Well, I Once think... Again, not a fan of expanded playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. There's another reason against. There's another argument against it there, right there. Honestly, um, I think yeah, dude. Especially like people really got uh, messed up over the whole Blake Snell uh, like getting tossed in the sixth inning decision. I mean, yeah. I mean, I that's wonder- part of the model. If you're part of the Rays organization, that's part and parcel with the with the model. You know, they don't let guys see a third the lineup for the third time. They just don't do it. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, the Rays, like, they're so good, but they almost treat, like, their players like cogs. You know, like, I'm going to put this one in and, like, hope it works, and then I'm going to take it out when it's not working and put this other one in. Like, they're almost like just a bunch of machine parts, and they're just trying to make the machine work as best as they can. Like, there's yeah. no superstars except for a Rosarena, and that's only because he broke out in the playoffs. I mean, dude, that's that's pretty nice when you get a rookie uh, hitting, breaking a major league record for postseason home runs. Uh, when your team basically has no real elite bats other than maybe like Brandon Lau, um, yeah. but yeah, Austin Meadows, but he didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, and then of course Brett Phillips, of course, comes in and like saves the day in Game Five. I mean, it's just how do they do it? You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but like staying on topic with the Padres. I mean, the Padres, man, it was amazing. I I think we improved like. We saw basically, okay, we went to the postseason. Our two best guys went down as starting pitchers, and they said, all right, not this year. We're not going to have one guy go down and it blow up the rotation. So, yeah. dude, I don't, know if, I don't know if you remember this. We started Craig Stammon in game three. Ask any Padre fan what they think about Craig Stammon, okay? No, I know they don't feel very fond about him. But, like, now, you, now your game three can be a decision between Nelson Lamette or – Clevenger once he's back. It's literally disgusting. It's disgusting. That's for the next two years, right? Yeah. How much longer? We have have two years on Clev 
I think we have three on Snell, and then I don't know about Darvish. I think Darvish might be just this year, but I'm not sure. But, I mean, still, like, you get Clevenger back in playoffs, and then you have Darvish, Lamette, and Snell. Yeah, and I think our lineup – our lineup, we didn't really add too much to our lineup, uh, but I think we're still going to be in a really, really high-level lineup. We were scoring runs against anybody, and – I think it's time for people to start respecting Machado, honestly. I think it's time for people to start putting aside. I, I love it, man. Honestly, I get so it, – it's so funny to me when people push that, like, Machado lazy narrative. It's so hilarious because there was a play this year. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. We were playing against the Rangers, okay? And in the, that Rangers series, the Padres broke every single, like, record, basically, in that series. It was hilarious. Oh, was that the Grand Series? Yeah. Grand basically, it was so hilarious, dude. Uh, Woodward or whatever is that the name of the Rangers manager? Whatever he comes out and he starts he starts bitching about the grand slam. And after he did that, the Padres just started doing even more disrespectful shit to the Rangers that entire series. Oh, but absolutely. one thing that happened was Tatis was playing like or uh, Machado was playing like the rover position between second and first in the shift. You know, like in the in the lower outfield. Gallo hits a deep pop fly to right field in like the corner in the outfield corner. And Myers is in right field. He's shifted towards center. Machado does a, like, 150-foot sprint to the corner of the outfield. Guys, if you haven't seen this, watch this play. Didn't you catch it? Like, over the shoulder. Over. over the shoulder. Yeah. And I look at that play, and I'm like, dude, this is so funny if you still think this guy's a lazy player. Honestly, that's on you at this point if you think that. And he finished third in the MVP voting. He bat, like, 314 with, like, uh, 17 home runs in a short season. I mean... He, dude, the Padres' left side of the infield is coming for baseball for the next three years, okay? I promise you this. I mean, they completely, like, they almost replaced, like, the Rockies' left side. Because remember, it was, like, Arenado and Story. And, like, they're not as loud or, like, as fun as, like, uh, uh, Tatis and Machado. But, you know, still kind of, like, two dominant players. But, dude, statistically still, if you... If you put those two guys, like Story and Arenado, side by side with Tatis and Machado, I still think Tatis and Machado edge it out. I think it's because, like, it's it's their attitude. Like, much more than, like, just how good they are at baseball. Like, mm -hmm. it's, like, the attitude of just how the Padres play. Like, it just, I feel like it woke something up in Manny Machado. He was like, yeah. Like, I think, I like, I think the I best play. thing for Machado was the fact that he kind of, dude, almost in his first season... He kind of lost the burden of being the face of the franchise. Like, it was insane. True. Uh, like, Tatis... Yeah, immediately went to Tatis. Yeah, Tatis kind of was like, all right, fine, I'll be the poster boy. And Machado was like, okay, I'll just hit 300 and finish third in MVP voting. So, yeah, anyways, I don't want to LARP on... I don't want to LARP on too much on my own team. Uh, other news in free agency, Colton Wong signed today with the Brewers, so they pick up another middle infielder. Uh, James and I were talking about this earlier. It seems like they're kind of stacked in that middle infield, but I mean, Colton Wong is obviously a great big leaguer, so I'm sure he'll do fine there. Also, I'll run th down through another one so you can comment on them. Uh, Nelson Cruz re-signs with the Twins, which is, I think, a pretty good deal. Um, and then finally, Eddie Rosario. I, th I don't know how long ago this was, but yeah, he went to the Indians, like you said earlier. So that's a couple of like the other more, I guess, low-key moves. Jock Peterson to the Cubs. Yeah, and then yeah, Jock Peterson to the Cubs. I mean, like, these teams, I just don't know what they're doing. Like, the Indians and Cubs, they both sell Lindor, Darvish, and now you're going out and filling out your outfield. It's just, like, these teams, 
everyone's striving for like what we talked about earlier everyone's striving for that raise like i'm just good enough to make it in the playoffs yep. and then let's see what happens it's kind of like the whole nationals model from 2019 like they were 19 and 31 yeah but dude, dude the nationals that playoff run was like pretty a lot of things went their way let's just say yeah um i mean i'm not saying that they i'm not saying they didn't deserve to win it all they were the best team but didn't uh, Grisham? Wasn't yep, Grisham was partly responsible for that run because he could he he fluffed the fielding of like you know what's hilarious though so he fluffed that play it was just like a dribbler into right field and he just missed it he just olayed it I think that really helped the Padres actually get him because if you remember the Padres sent Luis Urias who is like doing nothing in Milwaukee and Eric Lauer who got sent to the minors we sent those two guys for Trent Grisham and Zach Davies. And then we flipped Zach Davies for you, Darvish. So yeah, and now and Grisham just won a Gold Glove. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's an amazing. He's really is defense is a huge plus for him. But like, the thing about baseball, it's kind of like the beauty and the curse of the sport. Man, is like you just get remembered for one moment. You know, like, like it, it's happened so many times. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for Grisham, like in Milwaukee, he's always going to be remembered as the guy who missed that ground ball in the outfield, like that dribbler in the outfield. But yeah, uh, any other thoughts on any of those free agency moves or anything that I missed? I'm trying to look here and make sure I didn't miss any. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So I guess to wrap up, you can we can kind of just talk about spring training is coming February 17th. Uh, pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... I just want to know, like, how excited are you, man? Like, and for your team specifically, how do you feel? Okay. Um, I, I, okay. I think our lineup could be top five in the AL. It's always, always, always our pitching. And I don't think this year will be the year. I think maybe we could put up a fight for a wild card, but I don't think we'll doing anything mm -hmm. but next year and you know i know we're talking about this coming year but next year holes <laughs> money comes off books oh thank so god that's what i'm looking forward to but um i'm looking forward to anthony rendon and mike trout being two of the best players in baseball all the time um hopefully otani will pitch over 100 innings dude i really hope so i want to i want to see otani work as a as a two-sided player so bad dude Dude, like, seeing it day in and day out, like, I'm kind of getting over it. But, like, I want, also want it to work, like, yeah. so, so, so badly. Uh, we can forgive you for wanting to get over it because of that A's game. That was not pretty. <laughs> that was the last time he oh, pitched, like right? Five, five runs with... No outs. He, had, he finished the season. I think he finished the season with an infinite ERA. I think so. Cause he got no, he recorded no outs and he gave up five runs in the whole season. So <laughs> that's that's one for the history books too. I'm sure there's some like position player who also did it probably. Uh, yeah, Japanese Babe Ruth had an inf infinite ERA one year. Sorry. Oh yeah, speaking of of uh, internationals, I guess I might as well bring this guy up. Uh, there was a lot of hype around uh, Ha Seung Kim, who the Padres signed, and I'm not just talking about this because the Padres signed him. I think like I love moves like this for the MLB because. A lot of those guys come in, first of all, for really, really cheap money, and they bring attention to the game from Korea, from Japan, wherever they come from, and 
Like you, you can attest for this, right? If you go to an Angels game, even if Otani's not pitching, there are like twenty percent of the crowd is like Japanese people who are there to root on Otani's team. Yep, exactly. I love that stuff. I think it's so good for the game. I think baseball has to be seen now. Like my ultimate goal for baseball is for it to be like the soccer of the world in the sense that it is a completely international game where it's seen as a completely international game. It's not just seen as America's game. And America is just the place where the best of the best from around the world go to test their skills. I think that is the ultimate goal for baseball. Exactly. If you guys watch soccer, exactly. It's like the Premier League of soccer. Yeah. I mean, that's like the goal. I, the problem right now, like, just one quick thing, is the problem right now is MLB kind of, like, says baseball is MLB. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no baseball that, like, MLB is not just a league for baseball. It is, is baseball. baseball. Yeah. So, I think that's a problem for... Like, you know, some kids don't care about the superstars. Like, they just like the game. Yep. So, I think MLB does need to find a way to balance it, but they need to start marketing their superstars to begin with before we even talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. But, no, I think I think we had a pretty good discussion today. I think we hit all the main topics. I'm really excited for spring training, excited for the season. Hopefully, they let us into baseball games, man. I really, really don't want to miss ball games this year. Me either. I don't want to be stuck on my couch. Okay. I want to go eat a hot dog in the stadium yeah dude i need to watch we need to watch mike trout play some freaking baseball live i know i need to i need to go uh, i don't think the al west and nl west are playing each other this year but like i'll come down for a podcast yeah we'll see anyway um so next episode guys we're going to be breaking down some divisions we don't know which division we're going to start with where each division is going to be a separate episode so it's basically going to be like hour-long podcast one day of the week uh and then a division breakdown uh, we'll, we'll probably sprinkle more of those in during the week because obviously the season's approaching in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, we'll probably start with like the NL or AL East. Uh, we'll probably just go East to West. And I mean, both those divisions look like a lot of fun this year. They're going to be really interesting. So I'm really looking forward to breaking it down. Um, and yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed like our pilot episode. James, I think we killed it. I hope we killed it. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope so. Hope all the Rosenbag Report listeners out there check out the first episode one day. See how we did. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, if you're watching this now, we have like 5 billion subscribers and uh, <laughs> you're, you're uh, watching our first video. But yeah, I guess uh, all I got to say is if you like it, subscribe, like, comment, you know, the usual YouTube spiel. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's just, just at Rosenbag uh, Report. It's like a tongue twister at Rosenbag Report. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We'd love to engage with you guys. Uh, we're obviously really small right now, so like, we can do a ton of Q&A stuff on Twitter, so just hit us up. Absolutely. All right. See you guys next time. All right. See you guys next time. It's another hit, baby bonds. We out of here, baby. We out of here.